Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Matt Arts of Anthro UX, and I'm here today with Eric Cunningham. And Eric is a senior UX researcher at Crossover Health. Uh, he's been in the role seven months, and so we'll talk a little bit about that process of making the transition since that's still a little bit fresh. But Eric, would you please start by telling everybody your uh, anthropological origin story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And, and first of all, uh, thanks so much, Matt, for the invitation to be on the on the podcast. Um, it's, it's sort of surreal to be here speaking with you in person. Um, this podcast was was really um, instrumental in, in helping me make my own transition. And so to be here talking with you is, is really a treat. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Happy to have you on. Um, so, yeah, my I was thinking about my anthro origin story. And I, I think really the, the through line of that story is some really great teachers that I encountered along the way. Um, so the story begins at a um, I actually dropped out of high school early. Um, kind of had become bored with school, wasn't going, and uh, fortunately had a, a mom who was teaching at a local community college, and she enrolled me there instead. And that's where I took my first anthropology course um, with uh, a fellow named John Fritz, who uh, fortunately is no longer with us. But um, And I was kind of trying to remember exactly you know, what, what the content of that course was or what it was that attracted me so much. He was really dynamic, I remember. And um, but I think it was just something about um, hearing about other cultures and, and this real sort of um, kind of disorienting um, sense almost of like, you know, that things can be so different, worlds can be so different from, for different people, and yet that we share this, this common humanity. I think I had some sense of that. Um, but, but really just sort of was, was almost immediately hooked. And so when it was, came time to, to transfer to a four-year um, institution at Utah State University. Um, I, it was anthropology was going to be my major. There was no doubt about it. And um, it, at USU, it just really accelerated that love. Um, really what happened there is I was, I was um, heavily influenced by an archaeologist and then a, a sort of very postmodern, um, you know, thick description um cultural relativism type of um ethnographer and it was those sort of two um approaches to anthropology that just really hooked me in so on the one hand i was sort of learning about evolutionary ecology and um optimal foraging theory and and these sort of um data-driven approaches to trying to understand material culture in the great basin region um, and, and then the sort of very different approach of, um, you know, having reflexivity and trying to understand your own position as a as an anthropologist within the study. And um, I, I just really was attracted to the sort of potentials of building really high level theory and thinking about um, the commonalities of humanity, but also the the. Um, those differences uh, that, uh, that that make us all human, and, and the potentials that come from from sharing stories with one another. So, 
at that same time at USU, I, I developed an interest in Japan. As soon as I graduated, I went over to Japan to teach English and um, was, was playing with some interesting ideas in my head about um, forests and nature and religious institutions and spirituality and how those manifest in landscapes and, and just kind of a lot of different interests that were in my head and uh, was looking for a grad program because I wanted to wanted to do more. I had questions that I wanted to dig into and uh, was looking at a few different grad programs, but, um, you know, made my decision based on um, actually a, a girlfriend at the time and now wife who uh, wanted to live in Hawaii. So I said, well, I'll, I'll look at University of Hawaii and just happened to be um, a fellow there named Leslie Sponsel, who was doing what he calls spiritual ecology. And that sounded exactly like what I had been trying to do. And so I went to Hawaii to, to study with him and sort of moved away from spiritual ecology, looking more at political ecology, historical ecology, but trying to understand how humans exist in environments and um, how different, um, you know, larger processes impact those sets of relationships that really became my focus. Went back to Japan to do research related to that and forest governance and, and uh, did a project that ended up being more about how uh, people think about forests and, and what that looks like at a local level versus what that looks like in a governmental institution and sort of the, the contrast between um, different approaches to thinking about and, and managing and being in local environments. And uh, yeah, so I, I was just hooked the whole, the whole way through. Um, just really interesting teachers who were, I think, you know, guiding me along the way and helping me to, to gain these insights that I think to me are really critical to anthropology. There, there's sort of only so much that you can teach, I think, and there's a lot of kind of self-discovery and self-realization that needs to come along with it that just comes from encountering other people a lot. And so um, that, that was really the story that got me into the, the academic world um, and then spent most of my career there before discovering that I wanted a, a change and wanted something different and, and thinking about making a transition. A few questions. On LinkedIn, you still frame yourself as you know an, an ecological anthropologist. And so how would you say that shapes you today? So Ecological anthropologist, I guess for me, that, that definition of ecology has expanded over the years um, to include physical environments or natural environments or however you want to frame that, but to include more, more so the, the relationships between um, people, places and things in the world. And so, um, you know, sort of turning my focus to how things relate, how things hang together or don't hang together and, and what the implications of that are. And so as I've um, transitioned out of academia into industry, um, I, I've found that thinking about ecologies still makes sense um, and the work that I do now trying to wade through um, yeah, a sort of ecosystem that has physical, you know, is manifest in physical ways and digital ways and, and trying to understand how, how customers or the people that we serve exist in that ecosystem and all of its different components for me has been, has been really helpful. Um, and so I just, uh, I sort of leaned into that label of an ecological anthropologist, um, even, even if I'm not doing the environment. You know, you mentioned you wanted to leave academia, and you know, I'm not looking to just sit here and bash academia by any means. Um, could you maybe share, you know, considering that decision is a little fresher, 
Could you share a little bit, you know, about what you were thinking, you know, what you were looking for in a new role and kind of what set you down this path? And, and, and to a degree, we can get into how you started that process. So just ahead of moving, you know, making this transition, I had had some time off from my teaching position. I uh, had a sabbatical and then some some personal leave. Um, so kind of, you know, had some time away to, to be thinking a little bit. And, um, I mean, in part I was, I was frustrated because I wasn't making progress on, um, research projects that I had been putting on hold in order to, to do the other, um, responsive or take care of the other responsibilities in my, my job, you know, namely teaching and then some programmatic, um, administration stuff, things like that. And um, so I was a little bit disillusioned as to like why I wasn't just like digging back into my research and, and getting there, um, you know, sort of getting back on top of it. And um, and so that just kind of led me to reconsider what, um, you know, what, what my passions were, what, um, you know, what anthropology was to me. Um, I had had a lot of fun teaching students at the institution I was at. It's a, a small liberal arts college. And so the students were really high caliber and, and that was all great. Um, something just wasn't, wasn't gelling though. Um, and so I had some time to think about it. Um, this was during the pandemic and we were actually, um, my, my family and I were trying to get into Japan, um, which was pretty much completely locked down during the pandemic. So that proved to be more difficult than we had hoped. Um, I was hoping to do some additional research there. That wasn't working. Uh, we ended up back here in Hawaii, which had, had sort of been something that we had been interested in for quite a long time. So there were some personal reasons and, and a desire to be able to choose where I live, um, a desire to have a bit more flexibility um, that comes from um, a, a bigger paycheck. Um, there were some things that were, were constraining me, um, sort of in my personal life as well. And so I was, I was just sort of beginning to, um, you know, shop around a little bit, think about what, what are some other options? I just had no idea what, you know, what else I was thinking about some sort of, you know, maybe starting a business and trying to do some consulting one, one kind or another. And, um, somewhere along the line, um, I came across a, a job ad, um, with ad hoc, um, the company that does um, mostly, you know, government-related, federal government-related uh, UX work, and and just sort of saw the p- possibilities almost immediately. Like, oh, this sounds like a job that I could do, and uh, that was my first encounter with UX, and and really there just um, started to learn more about the field, and and it seemed like a, a good fit. So, what did you do at that point? You know, what what did you start doing to train? Well, so I, I guess at first it was a little bit of a, um, of a like flirtation for lack of a better word. And, um, and then as, as the time began approaching where it was, I needed to make a decision of what I was going to do in terms of my academic career. Um, the institution I had belonged to was, was telling me to come back and, um, I didn't particularly want to go back and, and we were sort of trying to negotiate what that was going to look like, but it, it came to a point where I just saw that it wasn't going to work. And, um, rather than, than try to make that all fit, I just decided, um, you know, I had gained enough of a sense of, of UX and, and what I, um, you know, thought the field was about and, and that I thought there was a good fit that I just decided to, to take the leap and, um, resign my position. So, so then suddenly the, the clock was ticking, um, to, to really, um, move forward. 
And so I, I guess in terms of like what I was doing to, to prepare for my, my first role in industry was um, trying to upscale as much as I could. Um, but a lot of that, I guess, for me was, um, you know, seeing methodologies, seeing that are used in UX and, and recognizing a lot of the similarities and just trying to get a sense of, um, you know, how do these differ in this different context? Um, you know, obviously the, the sort of time scale of some of these methodologies is very different. Um, but, but I found it was much, as I began taking more and more of an honest appraisal of what my skill set was, I found that the methodologies really weren't my concern. I knew that I could sort of adjust those um, and make those work. Um, I think what I needed more help with was, you know, how do I think in terms of some of these timescales within industry? Um, how do I think about collaborating with with other sorts of folks doing other types of jobs? Um, I didn't have any experience as far as that goes, um, apart from collaborating with other academics, which is in some ways similar, but some ways different. So one um, opportunity that I had was with Hack for LA, um, a volunteer-based organization in the LA metropolitan area. I had learned about them through a Facebook group, I believe, but um, signed up as a volunteer with them. It was a very, fairly low investment of, of time and energy, but gave me my first opportunity to work with designers, to work with um, product managers, uh, to work with um, content strategists, you know, writers other sorts of UX folks, and, and all of us kind of learning at the same time. But what that gave me um, was a sense of how those collaborations can be most effective. And particularly with, with UX designers, it, the sort of light bulb went off for me of, of the kind of, I mean, I talk about it as constraints, not in a negative way, but the way that they sort of helped to narrow my focus at times um, in terms of my research. You know, they they the work that they're doing helps to pinpoint particular questions or to raise new questions that, that I can then pursue. Um, even as I might may have these sort of larger, you know, higher level questions in mind the whole time I can, I can shift and, and do what needs to be done if there's, you know, sort of iteration that needs to happen on a smaller time scale. And um, so I was sort of learning that process and found it very, um, exciting and, and interesting, and, and it really just clicked for me that that my research was was almost immediately, you know, helping to answer questions that that people would have. Again, without losing the focus of maybe some higher level, um, you know, really broad level questions that I was interested in, and not and I sort of thought that in UX I, w I would have to, you know, ditch that. And, uh, you know, that I would sort of lose my, my identity as a scholar or whatever, but it was quite the opposite. It, it, uh, it just really felt like home and, and I enjoyed that process quite a bit. Um, alongside that, um, reading, 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 um, informational interviews I, I got on LinkedIn and I, I know that a lot of academics, that's like a, a big, um, moment of, you know, a sort of awakening to this whole other world. I had thought that LinkedIn was where my students went when they went to the career center on campus and, you know, took a headshot that looked nice. And uh, so LinkedIn, you know, what I found there was just a, a network of people who were very open, who were excited about the things they were working on, very willing to share, and um, also having really interesting conversations about all these um, topics that I was really interested in um again the sort of high level um 
topics, uh, you know, societal issues and, and other things. And then as they relate to, to design and, uh, I was just, I was hooked. I, I really liked it. And, um, so reached out to a lot of people, did a lot of informational interviews. Um, so many people were very generous with their time and, uh, that was just an unexpected gift as well. Um, coming in, um, finding podcasts like your own, um, yeah, um, answer to UX podcast others that, that helped me to begin expanding my vision um podcast you know dealing with um product management um podcasts sort of directed designers just trying to learn a little bit more about how this whole world operates I, I guess very much being an anthropologist of sorts um that's that's the way i was trying to learn about it um and, and i think just got more and more of a sense of it i got a sense of the field and, and sort of my identity as a researcher and i think that was really important for me as well to be in, begin being able to tell a story of who i am as a researcher i think for initially i was trying to be a ux researcher um and, and maybe in, in a way that um you know maybe some people coming out of boot camps and and i, I don't have anything against boot camps at all but the sense that i get sometimes is that there's a, a kind of methodology that gets um you know, gets proposed in there and then people sort of stick to that. And, um, I think I was trying to do that as well in some sense, you know, focusing on the methods and, and began to realize that more than that, I have sort of a unique perspective to offer as a researcher and that I really needed to just, um, lean into that, hold on to it and, and be able to tell that story. And, and that seemed to make all the difference and, and, uh, resulted in a successful application and, and finally landing that first role. Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying about, you know, maybe those coming out of a boot camp. Uh, and of course, you have the anthropological background, but like how in practical terms did you tell your story? I, I guess the big part for me is that um, what I initially thought was a weakness or what had been identified as a weakness that I didn't have industry experience um, maybe partly became a, a challenge for me to say, well, what, what ways do I have that? And, and to take an inventory of the skill set that I had. So I did some thinking about um, things that I had done as an academic that that don't tend to be um, emphasized within academia. I mean, you know, you're sort of focused on publications and research. And I had to take a, a broader assessment of, of um, you know, what research entailed. Um, I, I had some mentors that uh, mentioned like committee members as stakeholders, you know, just sort of little shifts in language sometimes, um, but, but getting a sense of sort of management skills that I had, um, communication skills, all these sorts of things that I had, had done to accomplish the research that I was doing um, that, that were probably more valuable than the actual, you know, sort of end product of that research itself. So I did some of that. And um, one of the conclusions that I came to is that um, not having industry experience is potentially a liability. Um, but I also recognize that as an anthropologist, when I first went into the field, for example, I didn't know anything about Japanese forest management either. And um, it was actually to my benefit to sort of have that beginner's mind to start from zero to go into this village and just be willing to be the kind of idiotic white guy that was going to walk around and ask everybody about forests. And they're going to say, what are you talking about? And then, you know, I would have to learn how to reframe my my questions. But to get a sense of the whole 
the whole sort of world, the whole picture. And um, so I, when I was interviewing with Crossover, actually, I kind of told that story and, and leaned into that and said, yes, I, you know, I don't have um, the experience that some others may have, but as an anthropologist, that's kind of what I do. I, I come into places and I get a sense of, of the organization and, and I'm able to identify and see some things that maybe other people don't see. Um, and you know, that, that seemed to, to work obviously for, for that role, I, I got the role, but I, I think, um, in general, I, I've sort of clung to that and, and thought, you know, how important that is to be, to maintain that beginner mindset. I think it's important for me as somebody coming into the UX field to always say that I, I don't know everything and I'm going to learn stuff continually. It's really important for me to keep learning from more experienced UX researchers. So I've been really open to that, but also just to um, never sort of get over my skis, so to speak, in thinking that I know what's going on in this big ecosystem that I'm trying to understand in my current role. Um, it's, it's really complex. There's lots of moving parts. And I think that beginner mindset is a nice place to be able to, a sort of position to be able to look out from and see things be willing to ask, you know, why is this that way? Or, or could we do this better? Or, um, you know, questions that are maybe kind of seemingly ridiculous, but I've sort of taken it on as my role that I'm going to be the one who asks the stupid questions and, and see what comes of it. And usually it's quite productive and other people are wondering the same thing. You said, you said, you know, beginner's mindset, continually learning. So, you know, I can see from LinkedIn that you have this interest in more than just UX research. You really are looking at the periphery. So are you, you know, are you developing an interest in anything particular or are you studying anything particular? And do you see any opportunities beyond even UX research? I mean, I know it's relatively fresh, but do you, do you, do you see uh, other paths in the future? I, I do. I get, well, I do and I don't. Um, so actually a, a guest um, on your podcast, Jay Hasbrook, who was, um, one of the episodes I listened to and was just sort of blown away. Um, his title when he was at Meta was, uh, Pathfinder. And I was like, wow, what's a Pathfinder? <laughs> That's a cool title. And, uh, he's now, um, uh, taking on a new role with Google where I think he's part of the future bets team. It's just like yeah, all these names bets. are, are long-term bets. That's what it is. He gets the best um, titles. Right. <laughs> right. So, so perhaps my goal is just to have a cool title someday. Um, but no, I, I think I, um, I really find, um, joy in engaging with ambiguous spaces and, um, thinking about, again, sort of ecology and that, that true sense of the word of, you know, how do how do all these different things relate to one another or do they relate to one another? How do they fall apart? Why do they fall apart? Um, and thinking through that in terms of, for me, what I think is beginning to be an inflection point um, with digital technologies in particular in our lives and, and what roles um, they're going to play um, it seems to me that the pandemic sort of was maybe an initial inflection point there and, uh, you know, web 3.0 sort of, um, uh, made a certain set of promises perhaps, but, it, but maybe that was a set of promises that people weren't that interested in. Uh, it seems that humans have also sort of reassessed how much they enjoy 
um, you know, physical, social interaction. So uh, I'm just intrigued um, in, in sort of thinking about what are some of the, the next ways that humans are going to continue connecting with one another. I mean, I guess for, anthropo- for me as an anthropologist, you can really boil it down to um, humans wanting to connect with one another and, and share stories with each other. Um, I, I've always sort of been a, um, I think, kind of a socially awkward, I was a socially awkward kid. I was kind of just always, I've been, always been really bad with chit chat and things like that. But um, when I have a chance to share with other humans, and I think anthropology sort of gives me an excuse to do that, I get, get to put on my anthropologist cap and, and share with humans in this way that kind of, at least for me, you know, touches my heart and, 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 and makes me feel something. Um, I just immediately um, develop this connection with that other person. And it seems to me that, that there's really something true and, and powerful there. And, and that maybe we've been attempting to uh, facilitate that or replicate that in different ways. And I think there's been a lot of successes. There's been a lot of pitfalls and, and maybe we're at a point of rethinking, you know, at a, at a human level, um, what that all means and, and how we're going to do it in the future. And so that, that space to me is really intriguing. And, uh, so I, I don't know if I have sort of specific pathways that I'm looking for, but that's kind of the um, the um, the guidepost that I have right now, at least, to just uh, where my thinking is is going and, and where my head sort of always, that's the space that I'm playing in these days. Yeah, and, you know, what I was thinking when asking that, and it goes back to the ecology piece, um, you know, is something that's a little bit broader than a digital product. And so, you know, wall UX arguably should be thought of as, you know, the study of all sort of interactions humans have with brand products, services, et cetera. It sort of seems like it's been reduced to the digital products, um, in at least the popular kind of conversation. And so whether or not you expand the, the, the definition of UX or you think of it from more of maybe a service design or a CX perspective, it seems like bringing an ecology into something that, you know, sort of stretches beyond the product, right, into a sort of more of an ecosystem approach could be of interest and is the same skills in many ways. Yeah, I, I agree. And I guess one more point that I'll, I'll make with that, um, just something that I've, I've found is I've, I've uh, you know, been in my new role is that I think communicating these things, you know, research is sort of ends up being less part of the job than, than I may have um, thought it was going to be. And more what I see is um, my job entailing is, is trying to communicate these things to other people so that there's actually something actionable that can come out of it, right? If, if you do the research and nobody understands it or nobody hears about it, it's just um, might as well not have done it. Um, but so for me, for example, I think there's a really strong business case. Anytime I can um, ask the stupid question and say, do we need to build this or does this need to be a digital product or what exactly are we trying to make here? And the answer is that, no, we don't need to build this or this doesn't need to be a digital product, or maybe we could just do it this way. I think the the argument that needs to be made is that we've just saved, you know, time, money, um, effort, resources, all these sorts of things. And so that, that business case I think is really strong and it's, I'm sort of in a, at a point right now where I'm trying to learn how to, um, better make that case as I go through so that um, rather than uh, the UX researcher being the one who always gums up the, <laughs> the machinery and, and stops things from working, it'll be that the UX researcher is the one who prevents us from uh, 
you know, building something that we didn't need to build and saving us time and money to do what we really need to do. So you just said their business case and, you know, we can sort of use that term casually, but of course in business studies, it also has a pretty particular meaning. So what did you do to sort of upskill on business? And are you finding that both uh, practices, you know, from business studies and, and arguably theory is, is, has been valuable to you? I actually haven't done much, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, I, I, but I have started um, listening to um, podcasts and, and reading um, books written by product managers in particular. And I think that has been um, useful for me to gain a sense of, you know, because product managers seem to be in this this place where they're trying to hold a lot of pieces of the of the ecosystem together, you know, they're the ones trying to assemble this all together in some way that, that is coherent. Um, and it seems like a thankless task. Like I'm, I don't think that's the path for me at all product management, but, um, but, but I really appreciate their, their viewpoints. Right. Um, I mean, I think in one sense it helps to humble me a little bit. Like I may have something to say with my research, but right. Um, again, that it just may not be the time to to hear that or it just may not make sense in terms of all these other things that are going on whether that's you know a, a business argument that's being made or um you know just um that something that is going to take way too long to develop and way too much effort and maybe not have enough payoff or whatever you know whatever that is um i, I think just getting a, a greater sense of some of the different um you know, factors that need to be considered has, has given me a greater sense of humility. I mean, I think I, I came in initially and, you know, I have this holistic perspective, like everyone listen to me, like, where's the CEO? Just take me straight to him and I'll tell him how we're going to do all this. Um, and, and that faded, you know, that probably lasted about five minutes before I was like, okay, I'm just going to slink over here. But, uh, but again, I think, I think that's important, um, to, you know, to let your um, ego be sort of smashed down a little bit and to recognize how you can really contribute and uh, be a leader in a way that, that is um, more as a way of serving, um, you know, what other people are trying to do. And so that's, that's really what I've, I've tried to sort of, um, you know, make as one of my principles of the work that I do is I'm just going to do really good work and I'm going to try to contribute to other people's success. And I think that's going to, um, it's ultimately going to contribute to my success as well. Yeah, good outlook. And so aside from that sort of lesson learned, if you will, any other major lessons learned, you know, that occurred, you know, in, in the beginning or I guess really any time since you've started? Anything that everybody really needs to hear? Yeah. Um, well, so I, I guess maybe to go back to one that I mentioned a little bit, but I think is really important is that I'm I'm getting a, a strong sense that my my task as a researcher, sort of my, my first task is to be able to convey information to people in my organization. Um, and so I, I sort of always thought that I was, you know, the research informs whatever the designers are doing, and then um, they're going to hand it off to the developers, and then something is going to be created. And um, recognizing that, again, because of all these different parts that people, you know, people are trying to hold together, um, it can be difficult and, and granted my organization i think the ux maturity is still relatively low um and so trying to get ahead of that process where research can be more impactful is, is difficult in and of itself 
but I think the way for me, at least to get there is to, um, take all the opportunities that I can to, um, to get people involved, to help them to, to hear the same voices that I'm hearing in terms of talking with customers or talking with the providers we work with and, um, to get, you know, to help them sort of have that, what I talked about with that sort of heart to heart connection, um, just so that we, you know, there's a context to what we're doing and, the, and that, you know, we don't all get lost in the weeds so much that we're, we're not, um, um, sort of keeping focus on, on what our, our main, um, objective is. So the lesson for me has been like, what are the ways that I can, what are all the different ways that I can try to tell stories to people? And so I'm experimenting with, um, you know, using, uh, video clips and audio clips and and things in, in lots of different ways. Um, and just learning how to do it appropriately to the right people so that, um, they're getting a good dose of what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, and, and, and for me as a, as a former academic or recovering academic, as some people say, it's like having to get away from wanting to just, you know, type the long dissertation that, that no one's going to read anyway, um, into these sort of more, more bite-sized chunks. Um, and so like storytelling, I think it just becomes really important. And, uh, for me, that's a very interesting challenge and a more, um, fulfilling, uh, way to do research for uh, for me, but one that I underappreciated as I came into the into the field. Speaking of storytelling, I know you have one talk coming up at SFAA. Um, mind maybe sharing a little bit about that and anything else you have? I do, yeah. Um, so that panel is being put together by um, Anna Pichon, who is a, another former guest um, that I, I got connected to in part through your podcast, and it's going to be moderated by um, your yeah, by you, Matt. And so, um, it's just, uh, another sort of nice, um, you know, something that's happened through these connections that I've, I've made, um, in the UX world, which has been fantastic, but, uh, that's going to be a panel, uh, my understanding, at least it's going to focus on, um, you know, academics and anthropologists in particular working in UX and, uh, just thinking about some of the lessons that all of us have learned. So I really look forward to, to being able to share with the other panelists there and, and learn from them. And so if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, where would be a good place? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn a lot, probably too much. Um, and on there I'm, I'm Cunningham EJ and I, I'm Cunningham EJ on most social media. So Twitter, um, although I'm on my way over to Mastodon right now, I just started my Mastodon account. So I'm Cunningham EJ there as well. Um, and I also recently started making some TikTok videos and I was debating whether I was going to mention that or not, but I'm, I'm Cunningham EJ on TikTok as well. So if you, if you want some videos to laugh at, um, you know, not, not, they're not intended to be funny, but, but that may be the response that, that it elicits in you anyway. But, uh, so you can check that out. So everywhere Cunningham EJ and then my personal website is Eric J Cunningham. Um, but, uh, LinkedIn's usually the best place to find me. I'm always happy to, to chat with people. I love having conversations and, um, sharing stories about, um, transitioning or just how, how we do this work and our experiences. I really find that to be meaningful. So always happy to connect there. Wonderful. Well, Eric, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. It's nice chatting with you. It's been great, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotous.com. 
There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.